Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Exploring a country by motorbike is one of the best ways to experience a new destination. Typically, however, one doesn't think of a group of women or a solo female adventure on a bike in a far-flung region in a foreign land. Fortunately, we know better than to make such assumptions, and we even know some women who enjoy traveling by motorcycle as one of their personal passions. Today, we'll share some of their stories and their travel advice for exploring Asia by motorcycle. In Bangkok, I'm Scott Coates, and this is... Trevor Ranges in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, episode 152 with Maeve Nolan and Andrea Visano, who uh, are friends of ours who we convinced to come on the show to share some of their expertise um, after we recently did a Vietnam motorcycling episode with Maeve's friend Hawk Moon. Yeah, this is a fun one. We've been looking at getting them on for a little while now. And you know, I, I followed Maeve's motorbike trips a bit. I don't know a whole lot about Andrea's motorcycle trips, but when I did meet her in Laos one time, she did roll up on a, a reasonably large motorcycle. So I'm kind of keen, like, yeah, there's the women angle on this, but I'm just keen to hear about their motorcycling because I think both of them have done a lot of legit riding. Yeah, you know, I knew Maeve was quite experienced, again, from a lot of her social media. And then since I met Andrea, I think that was one of the first things I, I learned was that it was one of her personal passions or, or hobbies, you know, now, you know, you and I have done a bit of exploring on, on motorbikes. Uh, mm -hmm. You recently visited me here in Cambodia and we did a day trip. Uh, you did a trip out to Krache. Um, we're both excited to do some bike trips in Laos and Vietnam after conversations with Hawk Moon and Nick Ray. We've had a number of episodes about motor biking in Asia, but I think it's kind of interesting to to get a couple of women on and talk about uh, you know what what women's travel experiences are like um, in Laos and Vietnam in general, but more specifically about riding a motorcycle in in, in Asia as a woman uh, as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to just hearing about some specific routes or places, but I don't really know. Yeah, those considerations that women have to go through when motorbiking, and even as a man, as a foreigner, there's a lot to think about when you go out on a motorbike. So I'm really curious to get their perspective. But before we get there, Trevor, you mentioned that I was just recently over visiting you in June 2020. We had a great day out on motorbikes and we explored um, Purom Kulen to see some carvings in the riverbed, go for a, a little bit of a dip in a waterfall. We went to some farther flung temples and we shared a video of that with patrons. Patrons are people that sponsor the show from as little as a dollar a month up to like 25 or 50 a month. We send people postcards, but patrons get a special little something something video, an episode, a photo gallery between all these episodes. So if you like the show, please really do help support it. It helps us keep us going. So with that said, Trevor, shall we strap on our helmets and get into this thing? Yeah, why don't we bring in our guests? Fluent in English, French, and Lao, Andrea Vincenot has lived most of her life in Laos and has over a decade of experience managing French inbound visitors in Asia, including organizing events and adventure travel. 
A longtime resident of Asia, Scottish-born and Sydney-raised Maeve Nolan arrived in Hanoi in 1998 and straightaway bought a Soviet-engineered Mink motorcycle to explore the mountains of Vietnam. Maeve has since ridden the world on two wheels, including the Caucasus Mountains in Georgia and the Great Pamir Mountain Range between Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan. Closer to home, Maeve has explored Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, and Sri Lanka, and is currently living in Vietnam, where she literally rode out the pandemic on one of her two motorcycles. They both join us today from Vietnam and Laos, respectively. I guess that's a little backwards. And uh, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Trevor. Great to be here, guys. Great to see you both as well. Thanks, guys. Nice to see you, Trevor and Scott. Yeah, nice to see both of you as well. It's been a, a little while, but let, let's start at the beginning with both of you, and maybe we'll throw to Andrea first. When and why did you first travel to and settle in Asia, Andrea? And then Maeve. I was just following my parents at the beginning, actually, Scott. So I moved to Thailand when I was uh, two years old, and Chiang Mai, mainly, lived in Chiang Mai, grew up in Chiang Mai. And then we moved to Laos in 1999, and I've basically been there ever since. It's been quite a while, and I'm loving it. Wow. Maeve? Actually, similar to Andrea, my, my father was um, working on the newspaper in Hanoi, um, late 90s. So I moved over. Um, I'd had a short time in Australia before and uh, moved to Hanoi and just fell in love with it. At that time, it was still after Do Moi, so what we call like the renovation period. So, so Vietnam was still very kind of underdeveloped at that time. Um, and I remained here until 2011, moved to Bangkok for 10 years, and then have moved back to Vietnam um, in November 2020. So in total in, in, in Vietnam, it's actually probably, what was that now, 15 and a half years? Wow. Both of you have been in this region a long, long time. That's really cool. <laughs> right? All right. Then how about your motorbiking experience? Did that first occur in Asia for both of you? Uh, where and when uh, did you first start riding motorcycles? Uh, for me, actually, I, I, I tasted a little bit in India. I was traveling in India in the mid-90s. And I got a, I think it was a two-stroke, a Rajdut, Raj, Rajdut, I think the bike was. Um, and I couldn't ride very well. I remember quite well sort of trying to manage the Indian roads, which weren't easy at that time. But so I kind of did know motorbikes a bit. But then when I moved to Hanoi, you know, two wheels was only the only real mode of choice at that time. There wasn't many cars. Um, and then, you know, referring to the Minsk, the Minsk bike was the only affordable motorbike really at that time because motorbikes were all imported they weren't made in vietnam and so the, the average price of the bike was two two three thousand dollars which back then was quite a lot of money for the locals even so you know so there's still bicycles all over the streets uh, in vietnam during that time so yeah it was it's like basically if you couldn't ride a motorbike you couldn't really navigate any of the country at that time so you had to jump on a bike so that was how I started and then, yeah, just progressed from there really and, and, and fell in love with riding the mountains of Vietnam very, very early on. So, um, yeah, wonderful way to see the country. And yourself, Andrea? Yeah, uh, quite similar to Maeve, actually. It was more of a necessity at the beginning. So I was, um, this is not very legal, but I was 12 years old when I got my first bike. <laughs> and uh, we, were, we were in Luang Prabang. It was a, it's a Honda 50 that I still have, actually. I have four bikes, I know. That's not really reasonable, but one of them that I'm keeping as my collection is my first Honda 50. 
so very vintagey and my dad bought it for me because they had uh, gotten a restaurant in town and we had to kind of like go back and forth and they found that it was the most convenient way of me moving around is that I just do it on my own. <laughs> That's how I ended up starting writing and my dad was very proud of it. The first month we actually moved, we went back to Chiang Mai to get all the spare parts to renovate the vintage bike. I think I did okay. <laughs> I'm not, no, I mean, probably not, but you know, I learned the hard way. And back in the day in Lung Prabang, like there was not that many tourists and it was really quiet. So um, yeah, that was a nice playground. And from there then, you know, learn how to ride like a clutch bike and then going off-road. And I think like the first long drive that I ever did was between Lung Prabang and Vientian when I was maybe uh, 17. Nice feel of, uh, of freedom, definitely. And still today is my best, yeah, my favorite way of transportation. I like that you have four bikes, which is not too much. And I've heard from cyclists that the number of bikes you need is N plus one all the time. So mm -hmm. that's fantastic. And I saw 10-year-olds riding bikes in Cambodia, motorbikes, just the other week. So 12 is definitely not too young, Andrea. So, Andrea, we know you've spent an awful lot of time in Laos. And I know both of you have ridden well beyond the countries you're in. But could you, in a nutshell, Andrea, sort of tell us what makes motorcycling in Laos so special for you? It's, um, I think that it really fits with the kind of like the, the landscape and um, the roads that we have here. So um, to start off with, um, in Laos normally like uh, uh, legally you're not allowed to have like bigger than 250cc bikes apart for, uh, for certain exceptions and if you're taking a bike in for example from Thailand or from, uh, from Vietnam with paperwork that are from those, those countries. Landscape wise, First of all, we don't have any highways except the new one, the recent one that just opened between Vientiane and uh, Vang Vien. All the rest is just like narrow roads. Um, Northern Laos is very mountainous. Uh, you have, you know, plateaus in the south of Laos. So it's kind of like having a bike is what fits best with the roads. I mean, also most of the roads, unfortunately, are still not in excellent condition. So having either like an enduro bike or an actual cross bike is where you'll be able to see the most, uh, you know, the nicest, more secluded, authentic places. Okay, so slightly knobby tire, bit of shock. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's the quickest way of transportation. I mean, apart if you have a helicopter, but still the helicopter can't land everywhere. So there are still very beautiful villages that are not easy access. So the, yeah, most of the time, the only way is either a four-wheel drive or motocross. Great. Thanks, Andrea. That sounds, I mean, we can picture it ourselves. Hopefully you'll be able to share some photos with us to share with our listeners so they can have an idea of how that looks as well. How about Vietnam, Maeve? I understand. I mean, the roads are probably a bit nicer uh, on, on the average in Vietnam, but uh, what, what makes it special for you? Yeah, I mean, much much like Andrea said, I mean, two wheels is a mode of choice here as well, right? So, you know, it's 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 natural to um, to see motorbike riders all over the countries. I mean, even by like, as Andrea said, when she was 12 years old, you know, she was on a bike. And I think, you know, 80 year olds are very comfortable driving around the country. So it's 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 sort of by default in some ways. But I think one one really kind of important point and special point for me is the connection with the locals. 
uh, you know, you're in remote areas and you, you really, um, especially sort of in the north and the hill tribe areas, when, you, when you're driving along and then you, you have this beautiful encounter with a local person, you know, they might be cutting the rice fields and you can have a nice chat with them. You know, it's much harder to have that encounter if you're in a car, right? So I think that that's one point why you come to a country as well, why you travel, you know, to have that, to have that beautiful moment. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely for those reasons. And then, of course, when you're on a motorbike, no matter where you are in the world, to smell and to feel to, to, to the environment is so much more pronounced when you're on a motorbike. Well, um, talking about that, Maeve, I mean, um, that's really interesting because, I mean, what I found most of the time is that when you go to these secluded areas, um, you know, like as a woman, as a girl biker, it always kind of like sparks a conversation. And you see, yeah, like, absolutely. the kids, they're always kind of like, oh, wow, uh, you know, girls can ride, mm -hmm. too. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I find that, I mean, you know, girl power, of course. Um, mm. But, yeah, it definitely uh, points that out as well. And I think, I mean, I hope that it does also inspire, like, you know, maybe other kids to be like, okay, let's go and uh, go on an adventure ourselves as well, you know, whether we're a boy or a girl. That's kind of what this episode's all about is we love motorbiking, but to actually hear from females and we'll get into some of the female specific mm -hmm. items maybe, yeah. but could you each maybe in a nutshell, give us a quick overview on where else in Asia you've ridden? Um, for me, I mean, Asia, so Southeast Asia, I mean, actually, so Indonesia, Thailand, uh, Laos, Cambodia, uh, Sri Lanka. So that's, that's, that's sort of, Southeast Asia and Asia. Um, I did a small bike trip once in Myanmar, but it's quite not as easy to do overnights. Well, it, ha it wasn't back then. But um, Andrea, how about you? I think that's sort of, I've covered quite a lot of Southeast Asia on motorbikes, actually. Yeah, you definitely have a much wider portfolio than I do. Um, but I have to admit that the last time that I went on a bike ride outside of Laos, where I really enjoyed was, um, was in Bali. So we had, uh, yeah, so we had a uh, World End field uh, with my partner and we rode out from um, Ubud uh, to um, Ulaanbaatar and then down to uh, Ahmed. That was beautiful and so quiet. So we took like all the side roads, side streets yeah. and um, very narrow roads, mm. Uh, mm. got lost 50 times, never looked at the GPS. Cool. <laughs> that was amazing, yeah. <laughs> If you go down, you'll always find the ocean. That's the nice thing about Bali. You can't go down. <laughs> follow the sun. <laughs> well, yeah, like Scott mentioned, and you both brought up a little earlier how it, you have a different experience as a woman traveling, let's say, maybe when you take that helmet off and, and they're not expecting the long hair to come tumbling out, out of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but what are some women-specific concerns? Because we're a travel podcast. We try to give advice to our listeners. If, if women would like to come to Asia and, and travel a bit, what are some things that they might want to take into account before heading out on a solo adventure or if it's a group of women friends who want to bike together as well? I think Andrea will say for, for Laos, but, you know, Laos and Thailand, as you know, the, the culture is, is, is quite respectful of women, but also very, um, quite soft in the sense is, you know, I've never traveled, done a motorbike trip in South America, but I do know from listening to podcasts from that part of the world, it, it's more of a kind of more male dominant kind of, you could say actually perhaps aggressive type of culture. Um, whereas here in Southeast Asia, certainly again, Laos and Thailand, it's, the people are very soft, they're very, you know, especially I think with, um, 
with travellers as well, that there was certainly a, a huge amount of um, of uh, re respect for for foreign visitors, right? Um, so Vietnam, for, for me personally, I've never had any um, experience with um, anyone being aggressive or, you know, trying to touch me. I, I do think, I think when travellers anyway should be wise about the way they dress and maybe if you're not too provocative um, in your style, you know, that that also would be a bit safer bet. But yeah, again, generally in, in sort of like remote villages, remote areas, you know, I think it's generally safe. Um, I think you're more kind of it's more trouble in the cities, right? You know, out at a club or a bar or, you know, walking down the street, that's more of a, for me, my experience is you, you have more of an issue with that than remote areas as a female on a motorbike. So, um, but Andrea might have a different experience, especially driving as a young teenage girl. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, I was, when I was a teenage, I was always with someone else. Um, but then mm. when I was an adult, yeah, it's, it happened It happened a couple of times where I did like, you know, multi-days kind of uh, riding around um, Southern Laos, the Kamuan Loop, for example, which is quite popular with uh, with tourists. I have friends that didn't, uh, girlfriends that did it themselves as well. Like you say, um, I mean, I made like in Thailand and Laos and certainly Cambodia as well, people are kind of naturally, um, let's say, like caring kind of. Um, in French we say like bienveillant, which is like um, benevolent. I don't know if that's mm. um, how you say it exactly in English. But people are caring and they do like pay attention. You know, if it's a single woman, then she would get more attention and people would be willing to uh, communicate and make sure that you have everything you need. The only issue that could come up in uh, Laos is you know, maybe having like a more, like a cleaner place to stay, uh, you know, maybe some accommodations are just like very basic. Um, it depends really like on, on your expectations. I mean, Laos is still a developing country and sometimes you end up in like local villages that are very, that are extremely rural. So if you're not uh, ready for that, that can come to a shock compared to the uh, standards that there are already like in Vietnam and, and Thailand. Um, but set aside from that, safety-wise, there really isn't a problem at all. Um, I, I think that's a good point. It just, just led me on to think for, I think, f female bikers thinking of coming here, especially solo travelers, the, the bathroom might be outside the room if it's a remote area, right? So that might be something to be aware of um, coming back from the shower or the toilet at nighttime. So I think, but I think... Female travelers that would come riding in Asia, especially solo, they they got to be pretty adventurous anyway, right? So you know you've got to you got to give them that benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it it already mm. it requires kind of like you know a bit of guts, and um, definitely you would prepare yourself psychologically for that. Um, it's just like comparing, you know, when you're doing like cross countries, that okay, well, Laos will probably be a bit more rural and a bit more, um, you know, um, rustic. Um, mm -hmm. than the neighboring countries. But safety-wise, it is absolutely not a problem. It is yeah, not yeah. a problem at Agreed. all. Agreed. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. There's always somebody that will be willing to help you. If you have, like, you know, if you run out of gas, people will be helping you. I mean, with men as well, if you're a sole, sole male rider, of course, people will be helping. But they will be more willing to help if you're a sole woman rider. 
Especially when you get older as well. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, really? Women do more, the respect, yeah, so you get like, more help. So it's like, okay. The hierarchy. Sure. <laughs> You're auntie now, probably in some circles. But, I am uh, definitely an auntie now. Oh. Look. I'm <laughs> an auntie too. You're an auntie as well. Come on. Uh, uh, yep. Uh, well. <laughs> Let's get into the bikes. A, a two-part question. One, what do you ride now? And then if a female is looking to come to Asia to motorbike, is it reasonably easy to find a, you know, a smaller framed bike or a, a bike that's suitable to, to females in the region? Yeah, I've actually written some notes down about that. Yeah, good question, Scott. I think, so uh, Vietnam is, is, you know, the biking culture here for, for foreign visitors is so well advanced. Um, so just for example, you can pick up a bike, say, in Saigon or near Chang or even Hazang, and then say you want to do a seven-day trip or a 20-day trip or a two-month trip, you can actually go and drop it 2,000 kilometers away, say, and you can drop it and it'll get taken back by bus or however the bike company that you rent from arranges it. Okay. But there is, so, there is so much choice in terms of what to, what to, um, what to hire. So I think that you know, in terms of like your question was height, um, size of bike as well, there's definitely no issue here in terms of um, A, availability and then B, choice of bikes. I think one tip would be to make sure that you go with a reputed bike company because you don't want to get two days out and you've got to really, the bike breaks down um, due to mechanical failure, right? So you need to make sure that you go with a more reputed company, you know, do good research. Just also be ready for um, competitive rates as well. I think Vietnam is very competitive generally because that's the mentality here. But, um, but yeah, there is actually, again, plenty of choice. And wherever you fly into, Saigon, Hanoi, Da Nang even, there is a lot of bike rental companies um, online. Good news. And how about you, Andrew? What are you riding? And how about accessibility in Laos to rentals? Um, so I was, I'm riding a, in Laos, I'm riding a Honda XR250cc. So it's, um, it's a motocross, uh, but I use it both like, you know, on-road and off-road. So uh, my father is actually 25 minutes dirt road drive from Lung Prabang. So <laughs> even if I don't want to, I still end up doing off-road just to go and see my father <laughs> almost on a daily basis. So that's what I have now. And in town at a friend's house, I have my tiny collection. I hope having a, like a small uh, DAX uh, 50cc added to that pretty soon. Um, cool. And I mean, I would love to have a Triumph Bonville one day, and they have them in Laos now. They start having them in Laos, so that's kind of like my future mm. acquisition. <laughs> I like really kind of like cafe racer type of bikes, but just for convenience means I, I end up with a cross bike. But for people that are traveling in uh, Laos, what I usually what I suggest is um, to actually have a bike from Vietnam and ride it cross-country and cross-border because like Maeve said it's actually cheaper they're better quality you have greater diversity of models you can hit into like you know bigger cylinders instead of only 250 cc's and you have that kind of like pick up and drop off system so you can do this huge loop from northern Vietnam through to Laos and back to Vietnam uh, then down to the south like there are so many different models and ways of doing it. Also, I know that a very, that would be for more of like um, higher budget, but people that have a lower budget, like uh, 
uh, backpackers, I know that they also like buy Honda Winds when they get to Vietnam and then use it throughout kind of Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia and then sell it back off wherever they are. So that kind of like creates a parallel little um, system and network of getting a bike, selling it back off, buying it back and it's something like 250 it starts out at $250. I'm not a massive fan of the Honda Win itself but I know that some people have had like incredible experiences riding with a Honda Win between Vietnam and Laos. So yeah. Hmm. Interesting. As long as they get to, to travel, that's the most important. How about getting it across the border, though? Do you need to have, like, all your paperwork? Is it hard to register a bike in Vietnam if you're just visiting? And then do you need that paperwork to get into Laos and back and forth? So the paperwork, like, the bikes already have all their paperwork. Um, and, yeah, for sure, you need to have the paperwork in, um, you know, in order to be able to cross the, to cross the borders. But it is a Vietnamese license plate bike, so which means that you can go higher than 250cc when you come into the country. And I think that there's, it will have greater value than it was if it was like a Lao licensed motorbike because we actually cannot leave the country with our licensed motorbike. If tomorrow I buy my Triumph Bonville and I license it in Laos, I actually wouldn't be able to go to Vietnam with it. <laughs> That's too bad. So, well, it's good. I mean, I know this sounds weird, but because maybe it's easier to find smaller bikes in Vietnam because... You know, Vietnamese people are smaller on average than <laughs> Western people. All right. I don't know. But I'm not sure. What about other things? Like we always, on um, other podcasts where we talk about motorbiking, always recommend that people bring their own helmets. But is there anything that specifically you should pack to bring as a woman specifically? Um, and maybe are there things that you can pick up there, like saddlebags, which I know are cheap to get here that you, you might want to get on arrival? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I mean, nowadays here you can get a lot of the markets sell those fake North Face bags that are completely waterproof. I have one. Um, you can buy saddlebags here. But, you know, do people really want to do that? Do they want to go shopping when they get here? They usually want to get on the road, right? So I think better to be prepared in advance with that. In terms of helmets, again, probably preference. Some I don't mind flying with a helmet and carrying my own. I have done that many times in the past um, but some people might want to pick up something cheaper here but you know again do one have the time to do that but yeah good things for people to consider um, definitely but I think one thing really important for me is good raincoat and you can't it's really hard to get good rain gear here well not really hard but you can but I think probably better to come prepared with that because nobody likes getting completely soaked to the end of the day and, and, and having to drive in wet clothes or having to dry out clothes and being wet again the next day it's just awful when you're on a bike trip right so that that was probably my best advice actually <laughs> yeah that's a really good question Trevor actually in Laos like you cannot find um, quality gear so whether it's helmets or um, uh, jackets, pants, shoes, um, you know, we don't have like those brand shops like Alpenstar or Fox. So I, I buy all my gear and I know that my, my biker friends that are based in Lumpabang and Vientiane, they, they buy their gear, you know, either online or they buy when they're in Thailand or when they're back in Europe visiting family um, or in the U.S. Um, so I think that quality, uh, quality gear is really important because you're so exposed when you're riding a motorbike. Like if you have an accident, it's not like you don't have the outer shell of a, of a car. Uh, it's extremely important to, to have covered shoes, to have uh, gloves, and I prefer having like quality gear. So if you want to come to Laos, um, bring, bring your own stuff. 
bring your own stuff or if you're fine uh, using someone else's from a shop that you know it's been cleaned and well taken care of then that's another option as well but definitely like just ride protected mostly when you're doing like several countries or you know if you come from um, the UK for example where they ride on the other side of the road like you're just never used to, you know you always need a little time to adapt on how people ride Vietnam and Laos people in Vietnam they ride a very different way than they drive in in uh, in Laos so since you're like hopping when you're hopping between all these countries and the country that you're from um, yeah it's very important to be protected great call out and you know the the point you mentioned obviously safety not wanting to waste your time when you're arriving in a country trying to find gear but also hospitals aren't as awesome in the two places we're specifically kind of talking about too. So keep yourself safe. Well, look, I, I know you've ridden all over and well beyond Southeast Asia. Um, Maeve, I'm particularly envious of a few of your trips in high mountain country, but look, I, I won't I'm resistant to say your favorite riding experience, but maybe could each of you share one of a highlight memory trip that you've done on a motorbike with us? That, I, I find that really hard to answer, actually, because I think it, it, yeah, because there's so many amazing trips and there's so many amazing memories and um, places visited, depending where you are as well. Well, it's a variable, right? I think for me personally, like Kaobang, really the, the northeast, Scott, I think we've talked about Kaobang um, together. I think you wanted to do a cycling trip out there. So that's basically mm-hmm. the, the far, the furthest northern eastern point of Vietnam. Uh, so that for me is just, I don't know, I find the scenery there is just so dramatic and, and also very friendly area as well. And they've got really good food. So I think that that for me is three big draws. Um, but then of course, Hazang, um, I first went to Hazang, I think in 2000. So, um, you know, over 20 years ago. And, and now Hazang is on the world traveler's map. I mean, I meet backpackers here all the time. I met, I met a guy just actually two nights ago here in Hoi An that had driven down from Hazang. And, you know, it's very much um, on the backpacker circuit now, right? So I, I haven't been to Hazang for years, but I do have great memories of that area. I think it's absolutely stunning and one of the most beautiful places to ride in Vietnam. For me personally, to go back might be a little bit challenging because I did see it back in the early days, right? But I, I think that you meet anyone that goes to Hazang and they just come back just glowing about the, the scenery, you know. So I do think that that is, a, is an incredible area. Um, but for me, most recently, I've had an incredible time living, I've been in Vietnam, sorry, I've been in Hoi An a year and a half now. Um, and the, the riding around here I find incredible because it's still very um, underdeveloped in terms of travelers and you don't meet sorry you don't sort of visit areas that there's lots of guest houses and you know there's not very really many tourist services up in the high mountains so I really enjoy that really remoteness of central Vietnam that you might find harder to find in northern Vietnam now because it is a lot more touristy great I gotta make it up there one day that was our April 2020 trip my wife and I on a motorbike and then COVID happened, so that didn't happen. How about you, Andrea? What's kind of a highlight trip you can think of? Well, actually, it's quite funny because um, it's not far from where Maeve is talking about, right? It's at the other side of the border in northern Laos, so kind of like along the Annamite uh, mountain range as well. This was quite a few years ago. I think it was uh, seven or eight years ago. Uh, we were riding between uh, Nong Kyo to uh, Mung Noi village. And there wasn't the so there was only one dirt road. You could either like take the boat um, upriver, or take this dirt road. And 
I think that for a drive that is 80 kilometers long, it took us maybe four hours. <laughs> very steep climbs, 12, 13 degrees, very muddy. It had rained, of course, so nice and slippery. We fell. I mean, normally the golden rule is that you never fall, but in these cases, you really didn't have any choice. So, and, but the landscape was incredible. And uh, when we got out of there, of course, we were just full of mud, but it was so fun and it was so, so much adrenaline, you know, so much excitement. And um, I mean, locals as well, just in, you know, in awe that we could even get all the way there. Since then, they've also, they have another dirt road that's just more along the river between Nankia and Mongnoi, which is much more mellow, which is really fun as well that I love doing because you get to cross like several rivers. Um, and I saw that Maeve, you posted a photo of um, crossing um, a video of a river crossing <laughs> recently, and that's just one of my favorite things. <laughs> Those are the yeah, funnest. Yeah, that was in Fongya. Mm -hmm. Amazing biking out there as well. Fongya is just, it's some of the, Again, I said this about Kabang, but I think Fong Yaya has some of the most incredible scenery in, in, in Southeast Asia. Um, but I'm Great. slightly biased, so. <laughs> hey, so one story, one story I heard when we were discussing with you guys about coming on the show, I learned that you were involved in the Women's Riders World Relay and that you passed a baton across the border. Was that between Laos and Vietnam? Mm, no, unfortunately, they went straight down south to Cambodia and and they, they they didn't have enough time to do Vietnam right because it was literally I mean it passed across the planet right so it went from started in northern Scotland and went all the way down through um, Europe Iran India Myanmar a friend of mine she arranged the crossing from India through to Myanmar um, and then Southeast Asia then down to Australia and then it I think it flew, it was flowing over to, um, to the States, but it was a small wooden, so it's a baton, right? And basically the, the goal of the, the event was to raise awareness for women drivers worldwide and, and to have empowerment for women riders and confidence for women's riders. I mean, they traveled through Iran and I think actually they went through Saudi as well. Like just incredible that women riders were able to connect with each other across the planet through this, through this, um, event. And, um, Andrea will be able to tell the story, but the the Lao the Lao um, representative she did the whole trip by herself. So yeah, Andrea, tell us a bit about that because I know that she drove a very friggin' long way. <laughs> she did, she did. I think um, she did the whole like seven stretch from uh, Vientiane uh, down to uh, the Four Thousand Islands in like a day because um, they were on a really tight schedule. Uh, so unfortunately, I couldn't uh, ride with her because it was uh, I was working, and it didn't fit with my uh, with my schedule. But mm. um, we were supposed to be three or four, and then it ended up being only her. She decided to to still do it, and uh, so uh, Nilamon, her name is, uh, she actually has the Lumpurbang Motorcycle Club uh, bar in Lumpurbang as well. So. Not only is she super cool, she rides bikes and she also has a bar. So she, <laughs> she's got it all. <laughs> so we're casting the net wide here. And people ask me my favorite country to travel. And there are ones I like maybe more than Thailand, but because I've been here so long, I, I'm, I'm biased and I have a great deal of experience. But I know that you've motorbiked beyond Southeast Asia. Favorite country to ride in overall? Again, I think it's the experience for me 
I mean, I, I think, you know, I've done some incredible ride, like Sri Lanka, for example, such a lush, variable country, right? You go from the national park where you see wild animals to, to the beach, to the reef, to the tea plantations. You can do all that in a day. Um, I think in terms of me, for, for, for my riding experience, the, a really hard challenge was Kyrgyzstan. So crossing over the Pamir Mountains in Tajikistan, that was really incredibly hard riding. And that was challenging um, physically and emotionally because you didn't have much support en route. So I think that that was something which was not for the lighthearted and also not for somebody that's perhaps not an experienced rider. But I think, um, yeah, in terms of landscapes, so let, let's say it like that, right? So in terms of landscapes, I think Kyrgyzstan is probably, and Tajikistan is probably some of the best incredible mountain passes in the world. Um, but something lusher and softer and, you know, is definitely Vietnam and Sri Lanka and definitely Thailand as well. So I think it depends on the experience that people are after and, and what and who they're riding with, right? How, how hardcore is the crew? How hard can they ride? How, how difficult roads do they want to accomplish? Okay, good one. How about you, Andrea? You're right, Maeve. Like the chemistry of the people that you're riding with is extremely important. I mean, there are incredible places all around the world. It would be impossible to say, you know, this country or that country is nicer to ride in. Um, I mean, there's so many different landscapes and ambiances in a whole in one country. But like Maeve, I would have to say that, you know, the people that you ride with is very important. Or if you want to do like a solo trip and you actually, you know, you've got that willpower to be alone for, say, a week, 10 days or more is extremely important and that mind state like he really requires you to be in the perfect mind state but so what I'm looking into now more is kind of like what kind of bikes I can rent or what kind of bikes I can buy based on the landscape and based on the country that I'm going to right since in Laos we're a little bit limited about that I always kind of look right I like triumphs I like this kind of bike so I would want to go to that country you know maybe like for example, now I'm looking into Europe and like, okay, well, maybe Eastern Europe, I can have like, you know, a 1,200 or something. So I'd really like to look into diversifying the kind of bikes that I'm driving instead of the countries because every country's got something to offer. All right. Yeah, that's kind of a cool perspective, an interesting way to look at it. I would even just think like, you know, I hear stories about uh, from Hawk Moon and, and from Maeve, and uh, it would be so easy for me to pop over to Vietnam and, and explore some of that. And, and Scott and I, after talking to Nick Ray, got inspired and want to come to, to Laos and, and do some riding there. So I think it's a little bit of everything, like wanting to go to these destinations to see some of the scenery um, and then just the experience of riding. I guess uh, I'm not too picky on what I'd ride, but I'm not as experienced as all of you either. You look pretty good on a Royal Enfield. I mean, everybody looks good on a Royal Enfield. That's a, that's a good alternative. But Scott, I think I missed your question actually earlier. You did ask, I think, so like a, 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 two questions there at once. But I think the first one was, um, what kind of bikes are we riding now? Um, mm -hmm. So I've got a bullet. So I've got a 500cc Royal Enfield bullet. And I've got the Royal, well, the Enfield Himalaya. So that's the, um, the adventure bike, they call it. So that's a 411cc. It's super random, but... Yeah, that's a great bike for longer touring, whereas the Bullet's sort of, it's a, it's such a cruisy bike. I find it really comfortable because it's just so kind of solid. 
and heavy, right? So it's really comfortable to ride. You can just take your hands off the handlebars and just let it cruise. Like if you just, you know, it's like, it's just so goddamn, it's like driving a tank, basically. I call that the sofa bikes. <laughs> it's because so it's like you're sitting on your uh, on your couch. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, but it's not great off road, right? It's not great. Like the suspension's not very good, so it's like doing any off road, which I've done on it, is is not fantastic. But um, you can hire those now in Vietnam, which is great. Um, I we do have. Um, so you mentioned Hawkman earlier, Trevor. So he, his company's got um, the Himalayas for hire in central Vietnam. But as I believe in northern Vietnam, they don't have the Himalaya there. But they do, they do have, I think, the bullets for hire up there. Hopefully we can get some input from you after I start making a Google Maps so we could drop some pins on some of these locations for some of our listeners and some links on our show notes so that People can follow you on social media if you would like them to. So maybe we could close with that. Uh, How could people learn about your next adventure? I'm I'm sorry. I'm not very good with social media. I'm pretty scattered, and I've decided not to go too much into that um, onto that road. But I'll make sure to share some photos of like some uh, last adventures, and also. If anyone who's listening is coming to Laos and they want to rent a motorbike, then I'll share the link of uh, the V-Moto Laos as well. So he's a very good, he's got bikes for rent. Um, so mainly cross bikes as well as an Enduro FTR. And, um, but also he's an excellent mechanic. So if you're riding in from Vietnam, um, he can actually help like get spare parts or just like do a checkup. Yeah, so for me, I, I do actually post quite a bit on Instagram, that's my favorite sort of platform, especially obviously for, for images. So that's, I'm Asia Maeve on Instagram. So you can find me there and I've, I'm posting regularly, primarily motorbikes. So I always like and hate these episodes because it just makes me want to go and motorbike places. <laughs> and now, unfortunately, it's always a question of time. But thanks so much. It's, it's, we know both of you on a personal level and I really appreciate you taking some time to share with us. And for our listeners and getting us excited and inspired to hit the road on two wheels. Yeah, thanks both. It's, it's great to have, you know, women um, just sharing their experiences, definitely, because it is, it is unfortunately, still now kind of male-dominated. So, you know, it's great to love to see more female, female riders out there. Uh, definitely. I mean, I think that like throughout the world, what's really nice, what is really fun about like, you know, if people are not really like bikers, they like the idea, but they're not sure how to get into it. I find it amazing because it's like, it's a really, it's a worldwide community. I can even see the way that uh, bikers in Europe communicate, you know, it's, um, it's a very powerful community worldwide. Definitely uh, go for it and uh, come around to Southeast Asia to, to hit the road. Cool. Thanks so much. Take care, stay healthy, and I hope uh, to ride with you one day. That was awesome. You know, I have been very envious of a lot of Maeve's trips, particularly like Kyrgyzstan and whatnot, but she excited me and made me feel sad because, you know, as I mentioned in April 2020, my wife and I were supposed to do the far throws of northern Vietnam for eight nights on a motorbike and COVID happened and we didn't make it. And she mentioned it many times. So I have a lot of respect for the riding she's able to do. She can ride on road, off road, and she's really piqued my interest again in those far northern mountains of Vietnam. They have 3,000 meter peaks and they're really steep. And I've heard a lot of the mountain roads up there are like right on top of the mountains versus low in the valleys. So, yeah, um, that was an exciting episode. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, even just 
having the asterisk that it's like women bikers of Asia or something. And then the fact that like they both have so much more experience than, than I do, you know, like, and, and then, and they're just giving advice for the most part, for the most part, it, they're just people who like to ride motorcycles and have a lot of experience and, and were able to share it. There was a few like women specific things that were interesting. I think that like, you know, when the helmet comes off and the, the hair comes down, um, people are like, ooh, that's interesting. You know, most people in Southeast Asia sure. would be like, wow, that's cool. And then th- they would chat you up. Whereas, like, my experience often was they were more interested in the, in the bike than me, you know, because I'm just some other barang or farang, you know, driving around the, the countryside. Yeah, indeed. I think it is neat that this started out as a women's motorbike show, but really there was very little that made it women or men, and both of them have done a ton of riding. I like how Andrea said she's got to drive 20 kilometers off-road to go see her father in Lao. That's pretty neat, and she aspires for a triumph, and I don't know her as well as Maeve, but uh, yeah, she's a really cool cat, and I mean, she's lived her whole life over in this part of the world, and yeah, she was very nonchalant about it all, which I guess just means, as she said, motorbiking has been part of her life, right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, like, you know, Laos is, it's funny too, that she doesn't use social media because, you know, when I go to Laos or my impressions of Laos, is just, it's a place where you wouldn't want to bother with your cell phone. And, and, and it's a place just to get out in the nature and the countryside where there are no cell phone signals. So uh, it's nice that Andrea will be able to share some links uh, where to get a bike or how to get it fixed up or, you know, a link to that, that woman who has the motorbike bar and Luang Prabang. And uh, so we'll have some good show notes for everyone. We uh, recently shared a Patreon video. You want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, it's pretty slick. I was over in your part of the world and we had a nice day out on motorbikes. You on your your proper motorbike and me on a 125. And we shared a video with our patrons. So patrons are people that sponsor the show. You know, get on board. We share something between each of these episodes. And that video, recent one, was us uh, exploring the Greater Angkor Historical Park. So only patrons get that. So get on board and help Trevor and I keep this travel talk happening. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you got inspired. Trevor, why don't you take us out? Yeah, thanks, Scott. And thanks again to Andrea and Maeve for coming on the show. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Tom and Kimberly?